I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers at Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my usual co-hosts with me today. First up, he's here. He's a shaman columnist. He's also really knowledgeable about lore, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello, everybody. Slightly <laughs> less enthusiastic this week just because I'm getting over an illness, but I can't not be here today. Yeah. Because Chronicle Volume Two, right? That came out. But before we let's let's not talk about that yet. First up, though, secondly, rather, let's introduce our second co-host, and he would be the other lower-focused writer on Blizzard Watch, Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi, how's it going? Hello, everybody. <laughs> I guess it's going fine. I, I I don't know. I'm not. I don't have a cold. I got two I, hello everybody's. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with that? Hello, everybody, except you, Todd. You know who you are. Todd. It's always what? a Todd. Why is it always a Todd? What did Todd ever do to people? <laughs> All right. So uh, as I mentioned very, very briefly and kind of glossed over in favor of introducing Rossi, Chronicle Volume 2, it came out between the last Lore Watch and this one. Um, we've all had a chance to read it. We've all had a chance to de- devour it, pretty much, I'm assuming, and commit about three quarters of it to memory. I need to give it another read before it's at 100%, but uh, what I wanted to talk about today wasn't necessarily the stuff that's in the book in detail. Like, I don't want to go over it section by section. I'm actually working on that with Know Your Lore, with the column. So if you haven't read the Know Your Lore column, we're talking about Chronicle in Know Your Lore right now. Um, What I wanted to talk about was... I kind of wanted to continue a discussion that we had started on the regular podcast, and that was talking about retcons and continuity and the changes that were made to existing lore, the adjustments that were made to existing lore within the scope of Chronicle Volume 2. Before we get into that, I feel like we should talk about what a retcon is and what constitutes a retcon. 
definition, just the, the flat definition of a retcon, it's a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on pre- previously described events, typically used to facilitate a dramatic plot shift or account for an inconsistency. Um, biggest retcon to date in World of Warcraft that everybody knows about is the history of the Draenei when the Draenei were introduced. There was a really big shift there that went from Sargeras was corrupted by these people to Sargeras corrupted these people. It was There was a big shift. There was a big shift that happened there. Um, people asked Metzen about it. Metzen's basically... He, I shouldn't say excuse. His explanation was, I forgot, and I'm sorry. And a lot of people were kind of upset about that. A lot of other people, including myself, were kind of like, well, you know, how many years of history are you keeping track of in your head all by yourself? So, okay, all right, I'll take it. It's understandable. It's fine. And since then, the Draenei have become ridiculously popular. Everybody loves them. Um, I loved them pretty much the second they were introduced, so I don't know. Anyway, uh that's a retcon. That That's a point where previous history was overwritten to facilitate a new direction for the story. And in the case of the Draenei, I think that it worked out pretty well. Um, so with Chronicle, there's there's changes. There are changes. And Rossi, um, I'm going to let you, I'm just going to unleash you and let you talk about these changes and also how you feel about retcons in general. Well, I mean, it really depends on what they've done. Some pe- sometimes people use the word retcon when they're actually talking about new information being introduced that we didn't have before. Like one of the things that one of the things that's being called a retcon this time is Goldon, like Goldon's history. Um, if you saw the um, the short that they put out before Legion came out, the Harbinger short for Goldon, right? A lot of that history has been put into this into our universe's version of Goldon. A lot of this basically, he came from a village. He, no one knows where it was or, you know, where, it, where the people were. He was kicked out because he was, you know, sickly and kind of didn't get along with his tribe. He went on a long journey to the throne of the elements, but they rejected him because they looked inside of him. All that stuff from there, which we had first seen on, in that short, and we had no idea if it had anything to do with Argoldon, has now been basically said, yeah, that's, that all happened to Argoldon as well. Um, and the basic changes to that, to my mind, they aren't they aren't retcons because we knew nothing about Goldon. We knew only thing we knew about Goldon was he was Nerzul's apprentice, and, and then he was, he was a, a jerk. Type, type yeah. yeah, and well, what I we're, mean, we're it, getting now is that we're basically being what they're doing there is filling out. You know, no, he wasn't. He basically never really was Nerzul's apprentice because that was all an act. In Rise uh, of the Horde, in Rise yeah. of the Horde, when he's first introduced in the novel Rise of the Horde. Um, you aren't really given his backstory. The only impression that you're given is that Orgrim and pretty much everybody else, nobody's fond of the guy. Nobody really likes the guy. Nobody really trusts the guy. He's Ner'zhul's favorite apprentice or whatever, but everybody thinks he's kind of shady. He's like a little weasel. And and that's all you ever hear about him, really. And this version basically says, yeah, he was a weasel. He was even more of a weasel than you think he was because he can't, he went to Ner'zhul and said, yeah, my tribe's been killed by some horrible disaster and please, I need help. And they took him in. The Shadowman clan took him in and he eventually became Ner'zhul's apprentice. But it was all – he was sent there by the Legion to prepare the way. His tribe was and, in fact – or his clan was in fact killed by a horrible disaster. It's just that Gul'dan was that disaster pretty much. Yeah. 
if you saw the, the short, the Harbinger short, that's what happened to to Argoldon as well. He went back and killed everybody to make sure nobody could find like any any stories of him. He didn't want anybody to know anything about him, uh, and so he wiped out his own village. That's not really a retcon. It's it's a retcon in the strictest definition in that it is retroactive continuity. It's stuff we never knew before that kind of changes your idea about Gul'dan, but it doesn't really it's not a contradiction. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't make Gul'dan different than he was. We always knew he was a scumbag. It's, we always yeah. knew he The thing so is it's, is it's not a contradiction because there was nothing there to contradict in the first place. Yeah, we we didn't have there. that information. Now we do have that information. And I think the important thing to point out here, too, in terms of this whole Gul'dan thing, is that we were told going into Warlords that these two universes shared the same history. We were told this back when they introduced the Warlords shorts, where it was Murad telling the story about all of these old Warlords and everything. And a lot of people asked, and rightfully so, they said, if... If this is a different Draenor that we're going to, how is Murad telling these stories actually going to help this situation at all? And what we were told was that the histories between these two universes were close enough that they were almost identical. It was like Kairos said, you know, there's like blades of grass are the difference. So there are little tiny things here and there that are differences between the two universes. But that overall history is pretty much the same. Yeah, like one change between the two universes was that Ner'zhul's wife Rolkan. wasn't dead. Yeah, Rolkan, Rolkan wasn't, wasn't dead. dead. Garrosh Hellscream and had never been born. Because his mother did die. His mother did yeah. die. So I, yeah. there's like little changes here and there, but it wasn't like a comprehensive, oh, the entire history of the planet is different. No, that's not another the case. Thing, another thing in the book that's actually closer to being a retcon, but hasn't, I've been, I've read this passage like six times now. Um, the character of Leron, who is Murad's sister, um, yeah. In previously, Laron has been established as Garona's mother, and that's why Murad was Garona's uncle. And in the new version, it doesn't say anything about Laron having given birth, but it doesn't say she didn't either. It just says she was held captive by the Blade Wind for a while. She went through horrible rites. Murad agitated for a while to get his people to go freer. By the time they did, she was dead, as were all the other Draenei. And he, they found, he found her mutilated body and was distraught. Now, he never, at no point does it say, but she'd given birth. At, it doesn't say that in Chronicle at all. It also doesn't say she didn't. It's one of those things where it's, you can read it and you can say, okay, did she? Like, are we changing Corona's backstory or not? And, and keep nowhere... in mind that also when they're talking about Corona, they don't say they don't her mother was a Draenei. They just say she was a half-breed. That's it. Yeah. They don't go into detail enough to... to re... It's one of those situations where reading the book, and I've, I've looked over it like four or five times now because we talked about it on the show last. It doesn't specifically say she isn't part Draenei or that she isn't Marad's niece nor does it specifically say she is. There's a lot of wiggle room in there now that wasn't there before. So that's closer to a retcon. They've definitely, they've established more detail, but in the process, they've made it less definitive. And it Yeah, but feels I don't know if I like qualify that going, as a retcon, though. It's, like, that's it's, some potential of it is, for it, maybe. Some of it is, not specifically about Corona, but the, the whole thing about the Blade Wind. We never heard of the Blade Wind before. It's fair. These guys have never been mentioned. That's entirely new. The idea that there was this big thing going on with them. But part of the problem is, is that what did we have for the history before? We really only had Rise of the Horde. 
And Rise of the Horde is Thrall being told stories by Drek'thar and other veterans of stuff they remember and heard about from other people. Right. And, and I talked about this on the podcast where it, it's like a it's like a secondhand account. It's not it's not historical record. It's them passing on the knowledge that they remember from that time period. And that knowledge may not be accurate to begin with. Um, Joe, yeah. I wanted to ask you real quick here, though, because you, you piped in and I want to let you talk a little bit here. Um, when you was there anything in Chronicle Volume 2 that you would consider yeah this totally was a retcon i wouldn't say totally um little minor things like it seems the biggest thing i noticed is that in chronicles 2 there, there seems to be a rescaling of time of events if that makes sense like the whole time between the alliance going to drain order and are going kaboom um seems to be shortened versus what it has been previously represented and like it almost seems like it transitions in a couple weeks in Chronicle, but we know that there's cities and structures and structures that had docks and things like that presented in the game itself that speak to, you know, Azerothian presence longer than just a couple weeks. So, I mean, okay. it, that's the that's the biggest thing that I've noticed is there seems like a weird scaling of time. Either that or maybe they didn't necessarily do the best job in writing or translating that that time scale maybe that's entirely possible that's that's what that's what i had a problem with actually because when we were talking about well we were talking about marad's sister how marad's sister got kidnapped and all this other stuff it volume two gave me the impression that there wasn't enough time between Marad's sister getting kidnapped by the Bladewin and Garona showing up. It felt like that was a shorter time period, and that would leave Garona as like a child when she met Gul'dan, unless, but she wasn't. Uh, unless we go with the whole like magic thing, right? Whatever. But they didn't but even mention that. Still, like, yeah, they, they didn't. Garona's backstory seemed to receive a lot of changes, and the Bladewin thing is just like the tip of the iceberg there. And Rossi, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. Go ahead. Well, I just one of the biggest problems with any timescale stuff uh, w- with Chronicle in general is that uh, I felt like Chronicle very much is trying to bring in more stuff that we didn't ever know about before. Like the whole ogre thing, this book basically goes in, it goes into a lot of details about cosmology that we never had before. Uh, one of the things that establishes that orcs are absolutely the gnomes of Draenor. They're the tiny smart ones. So, you know, orcs are Draenor's gnomes. That's what they are. Uh, they're the tiny smart ones who are the best mechanically of their people of the, anyone on the planet. They have the best forges and they create the best technology. They even That's lived underground for the longest time before coming yep. to the surface. This is all stuff yep. I'm going to be talking about in Know Your Lore this week, but yeah. But so you've got that. And one of the problems is that if trying to work a lot of that stuff in, it felt like kind of some of the stuff we already knew kind of got taken for granted. Like, Oh, you, they already know that. So instead we'll tell them about this. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Quite a bit in the book. It's very hard to say X is a retcon. But one of the things that the book talks about is Blackhand and Blackhand's role in the Horde. And the fact that we never we, we never knew. We knew the only thing we knew about it before was that they had a tradition of coming together, but they hadn't used it in years. And that was it. We never heard like what was the tradition? Why is Warchief exist? What is it that, you know, Gul'dan re- resurrected the idea, but he didn't invent it. Where did it come from? And we found out in Chronicle where it came from. 
and why they abandoned it. And and that's not a retcon, but it is. It does change everything you knew about the Koshyarg Festival. It's kind of about, expanding the universe, expanding the yeah. known lore of that particular universe. It, it and really I, does establish a lot of different stuff. Right. And about, I think it kind um, of falls back on that whole, you know, what I was saying about Gul'dan. It's not... It's not retro- retroactive continuity because that continuity hadn't even been established. This is actually establishing it and putting those events out there and putting them in some kind of co- cohesive order in a way that makes sense. Um, but they've left a lot of spaces open still. Like the, there's that whole question of who who are Garona's parents really? Like that wasn't it. I guess I guess what we should look at here. What I want to talk about here is. Um, Later on in the book, it's very firmly established that Lady Taria is, in fact, Varian's mother. Now, she was a character that was created for the Warcraft film, but they went ahead and brought her into regular continuity. And I'm really happy about that. I'm glad that they did that. Um, she doesn't make more than just, like, the briefest flash of appearances. She's barely a footnote in the but thing. But it establishes her. But she is there. That's his mother's name. And... You know, it doesn't even establish whether she was Lothar's sister or not, like in the film. But I, I, I keep going back to the Warcraft movie and thinking about the stuff that we, we heard in the Warcraft film. And one of the things that came to light in the Warcraft movie, or it was heavily implied anyway, was that Medivh was Garona's dad. And they even kind of do imply it in Chronicle. Because they do strictly, they specifically state that Medivh went to Draenor before he talked to Gul'dan. Right. So is this, too, yeah. is this a case where they're actually like trying to pull, do you guys think that they're trying to pull more of that movie lore into actual continuity? At well, the expense I, of stuff that had I, already been written before. I said okay. this when we talked about the movie, just real quick, is just... I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that is a smart idea on their part because the movie did a lot of things better than as far as like a continuity standpoint than a lot of the other stuff we've had in the past. But do you think that's actually what they're trying to do? I think so. Yeah, because it cleans up some things and it makes sense to sort of maybe clean up some of the other things with that sort of methodology. What about you, Ross? I'm going to steal something Alex said. Alex said when he was talking about this that he thought they were trying to get rid of some things that they wished they'd done differently, that they did back when they were younger and they were trying to just make one game that they look back at now and go, oh, yeah, that's kind of. And let's be honest, there's a level to Garona's origin that is deeply creepy and kind of hard. Creepy, yeah, it's it's hard to like atrocities happen. They happen in war. Atrocities that bad happen. But it's still it's real hard to like you have to sum that up in Garona's origin. Whereas if Medivh goes to Draenor and meets an orc girl and she's like understands him, you get to have kind of the Medivh Garona relationship. You just move it to her mother. Do you know what I'm saying? It's once and that removed. Way you, don't, you don't have to have it be Garona and him where they both have way too much baggage. You get to have it be and, and it brings back the original thing. Originally, they said she was half human in the very right, original yep. Warcraft books. She was half human. That's what they said. They then changed it to make her mother a, a Draenei. If they've decided to plant the seed and see where it goes to see if people are accepting of it, I wouldn't be surprised because it gets rid of that whole, you know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be, uh, Murad's sister doesn't have to be involved anymore. There's just some orc girl out there and Medivh met her instead of it being the child of a raid. One of the blade wind. And, yeah. you know, I feel like we should, 
yeah mention that too for people that aren't familiar with like the original Warcraft history Garona they they tried to phrase it politely here and I'm just going to fr- use their polite phrasing because I don't really want to put too much language out there. They said that Corona was the product of a quote-unquote forced breeding program between orcs and Draenei. Basically, Draenei women were taken captive and they were forced to be breeding cattle for Gul'dan's warriors or what have you. Garona was doesn't help much. Garona was the product of one of those and then she was magically aged and she was kind of like ensorcelled to have this whole power of suggestion thing where they controlled her. Um, and that that explanation has gradually shifted over the years. And I'm glad that it has. I am glad that it has. I'm not sure how I feel about her being Medivh's daughter just because I think I think the only reason that I'm having a problem with this is because of what we were given in the Warcraft comic series, where she has a child with Medivh, and now suddenly Medivh's her dad. <laughs> um, so there's yeah, just this but... extra level of wonkiness that's been added here. To be to be perfectly clear, um, what we're seeing in Chronicle Volume Two, and this hasn't been 100% confirmed yet. Uh, it won't be 100% confirmed until we get to later volumes of Chronicle. Um, and we see how those events play out. So far, it seems like what they are doing is they are basically kind of excising that entire chunk of the Warcraft comic series that involved Medan and kind of taking that out of canon play. Um, now, the other stuff, the stuff with Varian, as far as we know, the stuff with Varian all the way up till Anixia's death and maybe even that diplomatic summit, I don't know, all of that is still canon, because obviously it's been brought up in game several times over. It's been brought up in the novels several times over. It's just that aftermath event, which, to be fair, I think they could go ahead and do that, just because they haven't really referenced it in game anywhere. There's been like a couple of minor references to it, but nothing major, nothing to the point where it would be weird if they took it out. Um, how do you guys feel about that? if that section of the Warcraft comics just suddenly, oops, nope, never mind, vanished, disappeared, never happened. See, I'm much more a fan of continuity that just ignores things it doesn't like rather than actually goes out of its way to say they didn't happen. So in this case, I would be fine if we just never heard about Madon again and no one brought him up. Yeah, Actually going around to change the backstory to get rid of him seems like a bit much. Like it doesn't seem necessary. But if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. I'm not going to cry about it. Like, you know, I'm not going to see you going, not Medan. The only thing I'll be upset about is I won't get to, to make you froth at the mouth by mentioning him anymore. Um, <laughs> Look, you know, I don't froth at the mouth. Yeah, and, well, I, you I know, know, I think I've, I've said. I've seen you in person. This, this I, does I've, happen occasionally. I have said this before, though. I have said this before. I didn't have a problem with Medan in the scope of him being a character in a comic book. Because as a comic book character, he worked. Comic book characters should be larger than life. That's, I mean, works for Marvel, works for DC, works for Image, works for, you know, they're larger than life. They're, they're, they're kind of impossible. All of these, all of these characters are kind of impossible and on one level or another. Within the scope of the game world and the continuity that they had already established in that game world, he didn't fit there. He fit in the comics. He fit in the comics just fine. But in the game world... Not so much, because he was uber-powerful on a level that nobody in the game world really was. Not even Medivh. 
What have I said multiple times that I'm perfectly happy with the idea that Madonna is currently flying through space in a big globe doing push-ups under heavy gravity? I like to maybe... think that he's like on that little planet, like jogging around so the little tiny planet, he's... the Dragon Ball Z planet. He's upping yeah, his so power what you're level. Is he's like the weird product of a fusion dance. Kind of, yes. <laughs> Literally, he is that because he's Madonna, but he's he's really he's like, a guardian. He's, but, but he's, he's a guardian. But you know, no, 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 yeah. no. He's he is a fusion dance though because he's like a little bit shaman, a little bit palad- paladin, a little bit mage. Like he's all of those things brought together. And now I want to hear his fusion dance theme because I bet you it'd be really really cool. <laughs> um, but Joe, like, how do you feel it... about the comics? Like half of the comic series suddenly going bye bye. Are you okay with this? I am, and honestly, because the way that I view it is if you have one universe that's the movies, one universe that's the game and canon based around the game, and then the comics kind of become their own sort of bubble, and they become their own thing, I'm fine with that. I am absolutely 100% fine with that. And it's the same thing that I say about the difference between like Marvel Comics and Marvel Movies. There's always going to be a difference, and and it's fine if it works in that capacity. Um, you don't have to have the two be to one to one translation. So the comics can be their own thing. And is if that's what they want to do with them, I'm a okay with that. Yeah. Doesn't bother Plus, me I mean, in the slightest. You could also make the argument that it makes more sense. I Medivh mean, doesn't kill her if she comes, yeah. shows up and he takes a look at her and he's like, "Wait a minute." Do you know what I mean? Like it, it makes a little Gosh, bit more you sense. Look kind of familiar. Yeah. You have my you have my father's nose, or you know, like something stupid like that. Yeah. No. I, it makes there's a certain amount like she she herself never said I'm half Draenei. If you go back and read The Last Guardian, she says I am of orc and human lineage. That's what she says. Yep. Those are the words out of her mouth. So all I know how to do like I, I don't I wouldn't I wasn't upset that she was half Draenei and it doesn't bother me. And it wouldn't bother me if they keep it that way. But it wouldn't bother me if they changed it either. Uh, and the thing is, is the whole half Draenei thing that came to light during the comic series. It was directly pointed out in the comic series during that whole crazy second half that apparently we're trying to pretend didn't exist. Um, that's where Murad, he he meets her in person finally and says, yeah, I'm your uncle. And, and for that matter, I mean, you could do this without even changing anything. He thought she was his sister's daughter. Yeah. Doesn't mean she was. It just yep. that's, like, that's the the conclusion. Mistaken identities to. all over the place because because she was going under the impression that was that was what we were told when a lot of people were like, but I thought I thought Corona was half human. How is she half human if there were no humans on Draenor? And they said, oh well, she's actually half Draenei. She just doesn't know it yet. And everybody was like, oh okay, all right, I guess we can take that. Well, now we're being told, no, maybe she was half human after all, and maybe it was the Draenei. Maybe it was Murad who was mistaken this time around. And I don't see that as any being any more difficult to accept. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that kind of leads into my next thing that I kind of wanted to talk about here. A lot of people look at retcons and they look at them as a bad thing, like oh no, this is so cheap, you're trying to fix stuff, and da-da-da-da. Like, it, for some reason, there's there, there's this negative con- connotation with retcons that I don't quite understand. Um, I do. Okay, I, so Joe, I'm going to let you talk then. Go ahead. So uh, here, here's the problem Why with do you think... Time... Well, okay, first off, why do you think people view them as bad? And secondly, do you view them as a bad thing, or, or are they constructive? Would you consider them constructive? Okay, so I'll start with the first one. Um, The reason that people feel like this, at least in my opinion, is that we tend to hold things precious. 
regardless of what it is, we hold whatever we formed in our head as this is what it is. This is what I was told. This is what I grew up with. This is what I read, whatever the case is. And we hold that precious and anything that comes along and changes that preciousness is immediately met with a sort of anger because you're changing something that I hold dear. I've seen this across not just games, uh, but books, movies, comic books, a uh, whole whole thing of this. Um, my sister actually wrote a thesis on this for social work. <laughs> so we spent a good long time talking about it. And it, it has to do with that sort of attachment that we form with the original story. Me personally, I think they're fine as long as they make sense. And the reason I say that is because when you come up with an idea, it, it's like writing and editing to me. When you write a story, you write a book, you give it to uh, your editor or, or whatever the case is to have them take a look at it and say, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. What if we did this to sort of give you more perspective and maybe add something more to the story? The reason being when we see, when we write something, when we create something, we're not always the the best set of eyes for it because we fill in blanks that maybe we aren't actually filled in there. Like when you talk about something and you leave out bits, your brain fills in the gaps, but you're not actually conveying everything. And over the years, especially something that's been along for this many years, all those things happen because as people create stories, they're like, well, people already know about this, so I don't have to worry about talking about this. Or, you know, I understand this concept, so everybody understands this concept. And then when you start taking a look back at it, you're like, okay, that actually doesn't make any sense. And I left a whole bunch of stuff out of it. Or, you know, so-and-so left a whole bunch of stuff out of it. We should probably fill in the gaps. I want to, like, interject here for a second. Sense. I want to interject here for a second um, just to give an example because – there's an example here that I use that I've used ever since I started writing columns. Um, I I was told very early on by one of our editors that the best way to edit any column was to read it backwards. And mm -hmm. the reason you read it backwards and you edit it from back to front is that doing doing that breaks up your perception of what that column should be. Because as the author, when you write that column, when you write a sentence, when you write anything, you're, you're automatically filling in the context yep. yourself. And it, and it makes perfect sense to you and you don't understand how that could possibly be any kind of like a mistake or anything like that. When you read it backwards, all of a sudden that whole conceptual concept of, or that whole um, contextual element of it that whole context is removed it's taken away because you're reading things out of order and you can just look at sentences as sentences and go oh wait no i missed a word here or oh no i i totally wrote that sentence i wrote that the wrong way i meant to say this person did not do this thing and i said that they did oops that was my bad i should fix that um and it's kind of the same way, only on mm -hmm. a much larger scale. Larger scale, yeah. Like you're talking about here, because you're looking at 20 years worth of story with Warcraft now. It's like a little over 20 years worth of story. Oh, That's yeah. a big story to hold, con you know, all that context in your head. And especially, too, the other thing to keep in mind with Warcraft, too, is Warcraft started in a much different space. And that's that's a topic for a whole other podcast or article or whatever. Um, the universe that we're living in 
wasn't originally a universe that the game was created for. And it was adapted from that point all the way to the future. So it's been evolving and changing since it was very, very, very first time it was ever even put into like an alpha state. And I'm talking like the RTS from way back in the day. So you're always going to have those things when you start looking at it backwards, when you start having other people's eyes looking at it, when you have other people start to dissect everything that you've done over that, that entire length of time that this is healthy. This is actually a good thing to do if you care about the actual story of the universe you're living in because things should make sense to a certain degree. And while things may sound cool, they may not make sense. Like Medan is a perfect example of it. He sounds cool in a comic book. He doesn't make sense in the context of a regular game world. And so by making small tweaks or ignoring certain things and, and maybe in, in electronics, we call like putting in a jumper or something like that where you bypass an entire section. It makes sense for the health of the game. And and I like saying this but like, because it's it's such a weird thing to me. Let's not forget that they didn't expect Warcraft to be around this long to begin with, too. So a lot of the stuff they were coming up with was like, what's going to be cool that we can cram in right now? And then it's become this big, long they definitely were part. not thinking. Yeah, yeah, they weren't thinking 20 years down the road when they made Warcraft 2. No, and and this and at this point it's it's a cultural icon. It really is. So now going back and fixing those gaps and doing those retcons, it it makes sense. And I'm not mad about it. I really am. I'm not. It's just I think it's for me. It actually makes me happy because it means that going forward things are going to make a little more sense with how they piece together, and I'm okay with that. Okay, so Rossi, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Why do you think so many people look at retcons as being a negative thing, and do you consider them a negative thing yourself? Well, I mean, one one reason people consider retcons a negative thing is because sometimes people who manage a property go crazy with them. Um, one you example, got an example? Gonna, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. One example I'm going to use is DC Comics. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Have, like, where are you going? Over the, over the past <laughs> 30 years have retconned their continuity eight times to the point where you can't – you can't talk about a character and what he would or wouldn't do without specifying, well, I'm speaking of the post-crisis, but pre-Flashpoint Superman. Okay, I need like, you to I need you to explain how they retcon in DC, because okay. it's a very oh, different animal. Very different what animal. DC, what DC has done, basically, is they've literally had story events where somebody goes back in time and changes history. Or they like, blow it up. Like, they've changed the history <laughs> of the entire universe multiple times one time they went back to the dawn of time and took every everything you knew about the history is completely different now we've combined all these different universes into one it would be like if we did a, a warcraft event and the warcraft movie co- continuity the warcraft game continuity and every novel and stuff is all combined into one thing and it was all the same now so now Varian was absolutely lothar's kid garona was absolutely medivh's kid they we just made it all the one thing it's kind of like that, but imagine you're doing it with a property that started in 1938 and you've got a lot of stuff to combine. And, they've, and then they've decided they didn't like how that went, so they did it again. And then they did it again. And then they did it again. And fans get frustrated because they like to know what they're talking about. Nobody likes to suddenly be confused. No one likes to look at a property that they've you know been involved with, they've been fans of for a long, long time, and not know, okay, wait a minute, Spider-Man's not married anymore? I thought Spider-Man was married. No, no, he sold his marriage to Satan. Okay, I guess. That, <laughs> that was in that, Earth 3. <laughs> that, that was Marvel, not DC. But the point being, comics do this all the time. That would be Earth 616. And, 
And the problem with it is that simple fact that you people like to be on solid ground. They like to feel like I know what this character is. I know what they want to do. That doesn't. The problem is, is that you can't. Retcons are inevitable for a long property. One of the like, if you look at it, be, one of the reasons is because the society that's using the property changes. Um, the Superman of the 1930s and 40s used to go around just randomly destroying people's cars because they were driving. The seatbelt. The seatbelt thing. Yeah. Oh. At one point, he flew head first into a plane, knowing it would kill the people in the plane and banking on it. That was his goal. This would not fly in the seventies. Like Superman is a guy who casually murders people. They didn't want that anymore. Like the, the property changed. Warcraft has had the same thing happen. The Warcraft of the first Warcraft game is very different from the Warcraft of world of Warcraft, which itself has changed a good deal over the past decade or so. It's like 12 years, right? 13 years. This is its 13th year of just yeah. World of Warcraft. Warcraft 3 came out in 2000. So we're, we're heading towards 17 years of just Warcraft 3. We're like almost like we were 25 years of Warcraft three years ago. So we're heading towards 30 years of this property. And the world it, it, it's in, the world that we're being presented has changed. We, the consumers, have changed. New people are consuming it. Um, and their perspectives have changed. And the, so the characters change because there's no way around it. You have to present them through a new a new lens because that's what that's who you are is different. Um, the people working on the game's lore now are different people by and large. Chris Metzen isn't even there anymore, and that's a huge deal because Chris Metzen was a driving force. He was, I feel like I should point out though that Chris Metzen did work on this book on this volume of Chronicle. Oh, so yeah. but he, he was definitely he's he's listed under the author list. This isn't them just flying by the seat of their pants. No, no, no. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's not. And I'm sure for that matter that we'll still talk to him. I mean, mm -hmm. God, you would still talk to a guy you worked with for that many years about the thing he worked on that whole time. Uh, I'm pretty sure they still keep him on as like a consultant for this kind of thing. I'm guessing. But for that matter, oh, I would it, imagine they have it to. Felt it felt to me like when I was reading Chronicle Volume 2 that very much when he worked on this book, he was working on it knowing that he would not be doing – like this is, this is the end of his direct involvement. That definitely you feel that in the stuff that they included, the stuff that gets cleared up. Retcons, people don't like them because they, they feel an ownership of a property. People who love something, Harry Potter fans feel like they own Harry Potter. Uh, Star Wars fans feel like they own Star Wars. That's one of the reasons when Lucas started doing things people didn't like with Star Wars, the backlash was immediate and powerful because there's a feeling of not just ownership, but identity. This is a thing that is part of who I am. I've, you know, I've loved X thing for Y years. I, you know, I started playing, we use Warcraft again. I started playing Warcraft with Warcraft 2. I've played it for this many years. Now suddenly, you know, humans eat babies. What, what are you talking about? There's always that fear, and people are always afraid of a retcon rendering the thing they love unrecognizable. If done right, retcons are necessary. Poorly handled, like if we suddenly, seriously, the Draenei Poorly handled, Captain America becomes a member of Hydra. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, that's a whole other kettle but of fish. We, you could totally, if, if one of the things I've always looked at when talking about retcons in Warcraft is that Draenei retcon because of how they handled it. First up, he straight up admitted, yeah, I forgot that, which is amazing because I wrote that, you know, and that's everyone was bringing to him the thing he wrote and telling him, yeah, but what about this? And he's like, yeah, I, I totally wrote that. Hmm. You'd think I'd have remembered that. Oh, well, uh, nevertheless, I think this is a stronger story. And that's the that's the decision you have to always make. Mm -hmm. What is it good for the story? Um, do I'm not opposed to retcons if they're handled properly because they give you a stronger story. 
even a even a recon I don't particularly like. Like if I I like Murad being Garona's overbearing Draenei uncle who has no idea of who she really is and is constantly trying to like you know force his way into her life and she's like my God who is this guy? Why do you keep trying to act like we're we're family? I don't even know you, man. I like that idea. When Murad died, one of the things I was sad about was we'd never get to actually see Murad and Garona interact in game. And I almost like his ghost comes back and does it, which you know you never know. But if it's changed so that he's not her uncle, that's not a problem for me. Um, there's lots of things they've done that are not a problem for me. Uh, if we turns out that Lothar is is Varian's uncle and thus Anduin's great uncle, I would not have a problem with that in the slightest because it's bloody heck, cool. I wanted. I've wanted more of the Lothar family for decades. I, I so want them to introduce Lothar's badass daughter. I've always wanted them to do this. She is not anywhere in the game. There's no, just, just make her up. Just put her in. Just, yeah, and he was afraid his enemies would find her, so she was raised in secret. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Have her go kick butt. I would love that. But there's, there's good ways and bad ways that you can have something come in and you'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. I don't see any of that in Chronicle. I don't see anything in Chronicle that, that ruins the game for me and I think, uh, or even changes it much. I, I think what you have to also have to look at here, too. Um, I know you were talking about how DC and Marvel, you know, the big companies do this. I, I feel like to clarify for the audience that may or may not be familiar with comics continuity and how it works. These guys weren't just like changing a few things here and there. They were basically looking at the entirety of the story that they had written. These you know, decades, decades that they'd established all of this continuity and saying, yeah, you know what? I think it's too hard to just change one or two things here. So we're just going to hit the reset button and we're going to start over with once upon a time all over again. Like, we're not going to yeah. give you a, a, a the end. We're just going to hit a reset button and go back to day one and start over. Um, thus invalidating all of those decades of story as like completely nope that they happened once upon a time but we're someplace else now this is different now and disney has done that to a degree like disney has done that with star wars where if you were a oh, big yeah. fan of star yeah. wars yeah. if you were a big fan of star wars anything published after the the original movies like oh, if it wasn't a movie universe, yeah. if it wasn't a movie it don't count anymore yeah like they at least it, it doesn't unless they decide it does type deal yeah right and that's that's there's a reason some people are really annoyed about that because like I said fans have a kind of identification and ownership of a property. Warcraft fans don't go to a convention dressed up like characters from the from the game because they don't like it. You know what I mean? It's like it's the same with any property. If if you're if you're willing to build stilts so you can have proper working Draenei legs, you're invested in something. And Warcraft like, has done this kind of on a smaller scale. Um, we first saw this really come into action when they said that the RPG manuals that came out for the Warcraft RPG, none of the characters introduced, not, all, nothing in those <laughs> is canon anymore. Those are all not considered canon, and they very flat said that straight up they said all of this stuff it's separate stuff it's not part of the main canon unless we decide it is yeah and, and that's, that's that's kind you know. of that's kind of what disney did with star wars same thing but i think that as far as continuity goes what we're seeing in chronicle isn't so much a retcon as it is them looking at the last 25 years worth of story has it been 25 years it's been over 25 now more anyway more than looking at all of that story that's been put out there 
and going, okay, let's go all the way back to once upon a time and let's follow all of this and let's find where the wrinkles are at, where people have pointed them out, where, where the stuff is that we're not happy with and let's iron that out and make it into a more... They aren't, they aren't hitting the reset button. They're just going back and they're kind of restructuring things in a way that feels more logical to them and I think also in a way kind of opens the floodgates for future story in a way that hadn't really been considered before because again you know like we said back in you know Warcraft 2 when Metzen's sitting there writing down the game manual for that thing he's not thinking gosh and in 30 years we'll go ahead and do this thing no he's not he's just he's putting together a manual and going what sounds cool for this game orcs are great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's make this happen. It sounds cool. Like, a, like that's that's like on a smaller. Well, that's what it was back then, thing. though. But let me mention one thing, like to an example of retcons that have happened in Warcraft that nobody complains about or even talks about. God, no longer in a Warcraft, thing. Warcraft orcs versus humans. You hear God mentioned quite a bit. Yep. yep. God is God and Satan are parts of that game. And then yeah, we talked about that previously too, like just a little bit, like that was and that was retconned pretty heavily into the light, and nobody seemed to mind. Nobody cared. No. Uh, Joe, you were saying something? I'm sorry. I was going to say, on a much smaller scale, though, too, like, if you want to even just look at it from your own personal perspective, for for those of you that don't, don't understand the importance of retconning or don't think you do, if you've ever been used to writing something or you wrote something when you're, like, a teenager and you're an adult now and you go back and you look at it, you, there, there are things that you look at that and you say, I would change these things or this doesn't make sense anymore. And it's because over time, like Rossi says, your your perspective shifts, Right. And and things change. And so where you are makes a big difference. So when you look at Warcraft, who was created by, you know, a bunch of young adults playing Magic the Gathering in an office on like milk crates and cardboard boxes because that's what they had at the time. The stories that you created then with those people are always going to be different than the ones now where it's like, you know, I'm a comfortable adult. I understand like where I'm at right now and I understand where I was back then. And wow, this was probably really cool and like the 90s and well not anymore so just look at things like that on a smaller scale look at the things that you've wrote or that you you've you've produced from like your teenage years to your adulthood and while some of that may still hang over there's always things that at least me that i find when like i used to write like adventure modules for D or Shadowrun or anything like that i still have them but over the years i've always updated them or changed them or did things to them to make more sense with the story it's just that's what happens. That's what I happens used over to time. write. I used to write a lot of grim and very unhappy stuff in my teens because I was a very grim and unhappy teenager in my teens. But when I go back and I look at that stuff as an adult who is much more well adjusted, not perfect, mind you, because nobody's perfect, but as somebody who approaches life from a different angle, I look at those old stories and go, "Oh God, who was that?" oh, this stuff is terrible. It makes me feel terrible to read it. Why did I think this was good? And you get that a lot. You don't always get the opportunity to go back and do a rewrite. But in things like movie universes or things like video games or things where there is a perpetually evolving story that never has a solid the end, you have more allowances for that kind of thing, I feel. Like, 
Rowling, Rowling couldn't go back and rewrite Harry Potter from book one because people would be like, why, why are you doing that? It's done. It's over with. They made movies. <laughs> you can't go back and rewrite this thing just because you're unhappy about one thing that happened in it. That's ridiculous. But when you're looking at a video game universe where people are still consistently interacting with it on a daily basis and still looking forward to those expansions and those patches and the continuation of that story. Same thing with comic books, where people are still looking at new issues, you know, going and getting new issues of various comics over the months and and following along with that story. I think you've got a little bit more of a room, you know, an allowance to make changes like that. What I want to know is... Chronicle. Do you view Chronicle as a the definitive encyclopedia of Warcraft's history, or do you view it as their opportunity to make these changes? It can be both, can it? Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's totally both. To me, it is. Which one do you think it is? Why do you what? think they wrote this? Did they write this because they wanted to put that definitive history out there, or do you think that they wrote it because they wanted to make these adjustments and changes I really feel it's both because it, it you can make those changes and then that becomes the definitive line. And they in didn't they make the statement with Chronicle One that this is going to be the definitive timeline? This is going to be the definitive everything, yes. which they've never done before. They've absolutely never done that. And then that becomes the perfect opportunity to, to take a retrospective and, and say, okay, well, this doesn't make sense. Let's change it. Or this makes sense. Well, let's change it. Or let's, let's add more depth. There's also something else to consider when you're dealing with a video game versus other forms of media. From the beginning, the game has to have multiple perspectives. And when dealing with it, like the MMO doesn't have this problem as much, but Warcraft, the original Warcraft game, has two endings. Depending on has, who, yeah, who you're playing. Yeah. yeah. And so in Warcraft 2 also has multiple endings, which the expansion to Warcraft 2 invalidates one of them. Because the expansion to Warcraft 2 presumes that the alliance victory is the victory it's the end of the game because the horde victory ends everything you can't have an expansion so i'm wondering with warcraft one with warcraft one if you were playing as the humans did the humans win and stormwind was left standing yes oh you beat the orcs yeah oh okay straight up win weird uh and and warcraft 2 like the orc version presents the 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 They've kind of done what they've done in Chronicle 2. And and, and since we're talking about Chronicle 2, this is the the one to talk about it because they've done this. Yes. They finally sat down and took the end of Warcraft 2 and the the end of the Second War and established exactly what happened. Because in the Alliance victory, Lothar gets brutally ambushed by treasonous orcs far away from the battlefield and assassinated. He doesn't get killed by, by Doomhammer in a duel. Doomhammer is too afraid to fight him. Now, in the Horde ending, Doomhammer goes out and kills him. And they basically said, okay, what happened was the Horde ending happened, but then the Alliance said, you did what? And kicked their butts. And for years, that's kind of been floated as that's what happened. But That's what I've always assumed was it was, you know, little column A, little column B. Tides of War, you know, the Tides of Darkness book basically shows this. Um, But we finally have it in Chronicle 2. They flat out lay out the whole thing. This is how it went down. Doomhammer was desperate. Um, He knew he had to kill Lothar because he was being an orc. And he said to himself, okay, what would happen to us if I died? We'd collapse because I'm the only one holding this together. So I got to go kill their leader because if I kill their leader, they'll just collapse in infighting. 
And so I got to go do it. So he rode out purely desperately. This was a, a desperation move. He went out. It was his Hail Lothar. Mary, really. Yeah. He went out and attacked Lothar, who, despite being an incredible warrior, at this point, Lothar is pretty freaking old. Um, the fact that he doesn't just kill Lothar immediately is a testament to how good Lothar was. Because Lothar is like, you know, like in his 60s against this guy. He's a this grizzled guy. old man at this yeah, point. This giant orc comes out of nowhere and they're fighting and they're fighting. And finally, Blackhand kills him after extreme effort. And he's like, yeah, I did it. And he like he basically holds up his hammer and is like, what you know, what you got to say now, Alliance? And they're like, rip his face off. And that he's like, wait, what? Why are they? They're supposed to be fighting each other. Oh God! I mean, they might have they might have fallen apart, but Turalyon kept them held together. Yeah, and... Turalyon basically picks up his sword and goes, "I'm gonna hurt you so bad, you're gonna wish <laughs> you stayed on that planet." And, and it just... was an awesome triumphant moment. It really was. It was like, and they that's the kind of thing they can do with these books. They can finally say, "Okay, Gul'dan wasn't just some schmuck that you know." That kill Jaden said, you know, oh well, I screwed up with 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 Merzul. How do you do? You want to be evil? He was always evil and always kill Jaden's pawn, and that's why Kill Jaden didn't care if Nerzul found out what he'd done because you know Kill Jaden had won that fight before they even had it, and that makes sense. These you know these aren't contradictions. They're they're bringing it all into line because the the games don't have like. Go back and like look at Warcraft 2. A lot of the stuff you find out about is literally like just a text crawl before you start a mission. Like Lothar got himself stuck in a mine. Okay. What? Why? Now we find out. No, he didn't. He was busy. He was fighting. You know, it's, it's a means to bring these games that were always designed to be a certain way into what, what Warcraft 3 created. Everything we have now is basically because Warcraft 3 made a much stronger narrative and We've been catching up to Warcraft 3's narrative changes ever since. And that to me is what Chronicle is. And interestingly enough, you know, for those that were wondering, Chronicle Volume 2 ends before the Third War. It ends at the end of the Second War, really. It ends with the destruction of Draenor and all of that. Um, And it ends with a big to be continued, thus implying that, yes, there will be a Chronicle Volume 3. And I know we, we had talked about that a little bit the last time we were talking about the Chronicle preview, how we were like, yeah, there's no way they're going to be able to cram the third war into a book along with the first and second war and the development of Dra- like that would be a ponderous volume. Um, so it looks like we are going to get a Chronicle Volume Three theoretically at some point here in the future. Um, I I expect that Chronicle Volume Three, if we get it, is going to cover nothing but the third war and the Lich Gang and Illidan and all of that. Feels like it would have to, because that was a chunk of story. You have to understand when you go back to Warcraft 1 and you go back to Warcraft 2, these were they were RTS games and they had some story, but it wasn't a ton of story and it had nowhere near the depth that Warcraft 3 had. Part of the reason Warcraft 3 is so beloved is that it introduced characters and then made you care about those characters in a way that the first two games didn't quite do. Um, well, I mean, we were talking about this once back back in the day when we worked for the other place. Yeah. Uh, we were covering the, the various wars, and I think the first war got two two columns, and the second war got three columns to cover entirely. And the third war, I think I got six columns out of it. It was a ridiculous <laughs> amount of material just because yeah. it wasn't just it wasn't just Warcraft 3. There was also the add-ons for Warcraft 3. And it wasn't just it, – there was the third war aspect of it where they all went to Kalimdor and they fought Archimonde and stuff. But then there was the fallout 
after that with the Lich King that was an entirely different massive section of history. But Plus it was all happening explain... happening kind of at the same time. And then you had to explain how you got from the Second War to the Third War. Yeah. <laughs> There's that big chunk of time, too. That's We don't get that in Chronicle at all. We, we basically get the, beyond the Dark Portal, uh, and then they would be vigilant. Boom, that's the end of Chronicle volume two you're gonna have to cover all that time there's like a it's at least 10 years isn't it it's it's not more it's a big chunk of period because you're looking at when thrall was born was mentioned in chronicle volume two when he comes of age and becomes war chief of the new horde he's 18 so there's 18 years between thrall's birth and what happens in lord of the clans uh that is a gigantic stretch of time and and there's a lot there's a lot to go over there and it's, uh, it really is actually um, one of the things that's really amazing about how Chronicle works is that they finally give you stuff like, for instance, who was the, who was the Windrunner's predecessor? Who was uh, Sylvanas' predecessor as Ranger General? Well, it was her mother, uh, who we, we've yeah. never really heard much about. Now we finally get to know more about her. I think we, the only time we ever heard about her was when the 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 artifact weapon, the legacy of the Windrunners, that's Dora. That's, That's the first it. time you ever hear about her. And now we get to know, okay, she was always grooming Illyria. She wanted Illyria to take the job. Illyria was like, no, I don't want it. I don't want to be like Ranger General. Ranger Generals have to go and make nice with with, uh, Ant- with the uh, king. I can't remember his name. Anisterian. And they have to do what he says. I don't want that. I want to just go off and be a, in, to, to lead my people and you know, to lead my force and be a good ranger. And so Sylvanas felt obligated to take the job. She didn't want it. And her mother hadn't wanted her to have it, but she was the best possible person because her sister refused it. And there's like this is like all stuff that we didn't really know. And it changes it changes how you look at Sylvanas. Sylvanas has like been crippled by duty her whole life. Sylvanas has always been forced into these things she hasn't wanted to do because it was her duty. Someone had to do it and nobody else was going to. And it's really amazing. Like, if you think about like, how that affects her character now, she's still duty ridden because she's bleeding these people who aren't even her people because no one else. But she shouldered it. that responsibility. Yeah, and it it changes her character. And in that's ways kind that... of all she knows at this point. That's what drives her. Is that? Um, I kind of along along the lines of, of of Chronicle and what Chronicle is. I feel like I should talk about the Ultimate Visual Guide because I worked on that one. Um, I worked on that one and then I worked on the update for it. And there are a lot of people who are like, Chronicle's better or, or the visual guide's better. You know, there's like a b- lot of back and forth on that. And they are two very distinctly different books. And I know they're two distinctly different books because I worked on one of them. Um, for the ultimate visual guide, what it is and what it's always been, what it's always been presented as is it's a lore primer. And what it was, was looking at all of the lore that had been presented to date, sans Chronicle, because we didn't have Chronicle at that point in time, put in order and kind of summarized for people who had never read the lore before, didn't quite understand what was going on with it or anything, and just wanted kind of a basic primer of what this looks like, what happened when, who are these people, why are they important? And it was put together in a book with lots and lots and lots and lots of gorgeous illustrations and put out there for people as, like I said, it was like a basic primer. Chronicle is an entirely different animal because you're looking at the lore team, not only 
presenting that lore in a much more expanded scope, but making these changes where necessary and addressing these issues that may have popped up over the years. And it's a completely different thing. Um, And I don't really think that one of them is necessarily better than the other or anything. It's just, it's two different books for two different audiences. If you're just starting out with lore and you kind of want to handle, like you want that first grasp handle on what exactly lore is, go look at the Ultimate Visual Guide. If you if you know your lore and you want to know more about it, that's what Chronicle is. Chronicle is like the definitive. And and it's fantastic. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Um, even Volume 2. Volume 2 to me, it felt... It felt a little different, I don't know, than volume one. And I think that's because like the, the entirety of the second half of the book was material that I was already familiar with, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I'm going to run into a problem with future volumes is just, oh, I know this material already. But even in that aspect, there's been new stuff introduced. All of the adjustments that have been made to Garona's story, uh, the stuff about Gul'dan, the stuff that ties together Warlords of Draenor and that alternate history with the current timeline, even the adjustments that were made in terms of movie continuity and bringing in characters from the film into the actual Warcraft universe, these were all changes that I think needed to be made. And I think what we're left with, with Chronicle Volume 2, and even with future volumes, is a universe that is much more cohesive. Did it answer every question? No, there's still lots of questions out there to be asked, and there's lots more story to tell. It's just that that tapestry that that story is being built upon is more solid, I think. It's a more cohesive kind of look at at the past. Um, and it's definitely better than, than, you know, hitting a reset button and going, okay, we're on, like, uh, Azeroth 3 now. <laughs> um. So yeah, did you guys have, I guess we are kind of running out of time here, so maybe we should go ahead and wrap this up. But before we wrap this up, I, I want to ask, is there anything in there? Are, what what was the biggest change that you guys noticed that you were perfectly okay with? Rossi, go. The change that I thought was the best? Or yeah. The, um, honestly, I, and I don't know if you can count it as a change, but the whole history of life on Draenor and getting to see how it all worked and how the you know because now it tells you when you go and play Burning Crusade you've got the whole Zangarmarsh thing and you don't really understand what's going on with those big spore giants and all that now we know the backstory of them we know why they were there we know how they what they came from the whole Arakoa laser death thing to them and it's just really a lot I don't we know about just, the red smoke now we know yeah, what the, the red red <laughs> we were right we were right yeah okay that, that they were related there's a lot of stuff I mean there's a lot of detail here that we never had before. That I really like. I, just having this is the Arakoa. Finally knowing what the Arakoa were. You know what I mean? Like just we we've like for, we've been waiting decades for that. We kind of got a glimpse of it in Draenor. Now we finally understand how their society evolved, who they were, where they came from, what what their you know the Apexus was all about, why the ogres cared so much, because Apexus stuff is where the ogres got their society from. Uh, and there's it's really interesting uh, and. I, I'm fine with it. I'm fine finding out how that worked. I think that was great. Joe, same question. I don't know if I have one that I would put as like the best right now, but I think the most interesting one is the change with Nerzul and the summoning of the portals. Because in Chronicle, he simply summoned the portals that eventually led to the destruction of, of Draenor. In the game and everything we've had beforehand, 
they had to actually build frames just like the Dark Portal. That was a big part of questing in Burning Crusade when you were going through and like finding all of these places. And there are tons of these places all over uh, where you can actually see where frames are built or constructed. They look like the mini dark portals, kind they of. They look like very mini dark portals. And so they've made a conscious decision to say, yeah, he didn't actually need that. He had enough power at his disposal that, like Illidan, um, he was able to just rip tears in the fabric of space and time. And I thought that was an interesting shift because it puts him in a whole new powerhouse light. I'm kind of wondering if maybe he like built the frames because he figured, oh, we're just going to build this many. And then that spell got completely out of control and started making more that didn't maybe. have frames. I mean, but in the in Chronicles, they specifically say that he summoned him. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's the case or if it's like he literally just did that because he could. And it's an interest. It's an interesting characterization to me. For me, I think. The the changes so far to Garona's story, I, I'm appreciating these changes because it's kind of giving her character more depth. And I've always liked Garona. I always like Garona as a character. It's just that we're getting more from her. And it's kind of interesting that we're getting more from her in Chronicle because it's not really a novel in the sense that you're not seeing what she's thinking or feeling or anything like that. It's just, it's flat history. It's like reading an encyclopedia. Um, but at the same time, you're kind of gaining more of an appreciation of who she is and who she was, and maybe even a little more insight into the actions that she was taking at the time. Um, it also kind of settled and explained a little bit how she and Cadgar were so familiar with each other and how, Cadgar was so familiar with Gul'dan because that was one of those things that always kind of huh why is that in Warlords of Draenor um, when Cadgar showed up he seemed to know everything there was to know about Gul'dan and it never made sense to me because he hadn't actually interacted with Gul'dan like not face to face he didn't really the the first time that he met Gul'dan was his skull <laughs> So it was like, how does he know all of this history? Where did he pick this up from? Well, now we've kind of got that answer. Him and him and Garona, he and Garona had a, a kind of a working relationship, cautious relationship thing where they were talking to each other and stuff after everything that went down in Stormwind at the end of the First War. So I appreciated that. I appreciated that the, there was a lot of expansion there on that aspect of things. And I also appreciated, I, I liked what they did with Gul'dan. I like that they tied in that history because it made him about 10 times creepier as if that were possible. Oh, it was possible. Yeah. Because Gul'dan before was a, was a one-note character. He was just evil. He was evil. Yeah, and he, he was, was evil, evil for the selfish. sake of being evil. He was evil because the plot needed a guy that evil. But now you kind of, you kind of understand the depths of his rejection of his own people because like, they rejected him. They rejected him first. Even the spirits that his people turned to for solace rejected him. He went to the throne of the elements saying, please, my life has been horror. Help me. And they were like, nope. No, nah, you're you're kind of like a bad apple and we'd rather have nothing to do with that. Thanks. Did they, did they pull away because the you know Legion showed up and they would like recoiled from that? Or did they actually look into his heart and see what he was? We'll never know. Just rotten to the core. Yeah. But, but they even even that turned on him. Now, what does he have to lose? Why would he care about orcs when literally no orc ever actually gave him a chance until he was already like working for the Legion? 
You know, Nerzul took a chance on him, but it was well after he'd already started serving, you know, an evil master who told him how to, you know, how to deal with people. Because he had no idea. Gul'dan didn't know how to manipulate people until Kil'jaeden told him how. Yeah, and I and I really like that aspect of it. I also like the aspect where they explained where he came from, because that was another one of those questions that always kind of sat in the back of my mind was, how did Ner'zhul take this guy on as an apprentice if he was this terrible? Like, why would Ner'zhul, the guy that everybody, all of the clans on Draenor look up to and respect, why would he take in that schmuck? Like, that doesn't even make sense. And it was one of those questions that it was always kind of sitting in the back of my mind, but I hadn't actually expressed it aloud. And I like the fact that they kind of tied that into a bow, you know, and said, oh, yeah, no, no. He he wiped out every trace of his old clan. And then he went crawling to the Shadow Moon and they took him in because he was sad and pathetic. I'm like, oh, OK. All right. I get it now. So that about wraps us up this time around. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. And we're going to go ahead and open the floodgates and just put it out there that if you guys have any questions about Chronicle Volume 2 in particular, please feel free to email us at podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure you put Lorewatch in the subject line of your email so we know what show it's for, but you can ask us anything about Chronicle Volume 2. Go ahead. We'll put a spoiler warning on stuff if we need to, but since this is all ancient history, I don't think that we necessarily need to do that. So yeah, if you have any questions, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. And if you like the show and you'd like to support the show, the uh, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can do that at blizzardwatch.com slash audible. Uh, now, Chronicle Volume 2 and Chronicle, I don't believe that there are audiobook versions of those books, or if there is, they aren't on Audible. However, a lot of Blizzard's other titles and other novels are available, and you can get those as part of your 30-day trial. So just go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible, sign up, and you can go ahead and help support the show. Um, closing question, I guess, you guys. And I'm curious about this. This is something that I'm really curious about this. Um, Obviously, Chronicle Volume 3, we're probably going to get the Third War. And like we said, it's probably going to be the entirety of the Third War is going to be condensed into one volume of Chronicle. Do you guys think that they're going to put out a Chronicle that goes over World of Warcraft history? Or are they just going to stop it at that point? I feel like they'd have to go over the history. Because so much has happened in game too, especially like in World of Warcraft, not just Warcraft Three, that I think that not doing that would be a disservice to the continue flushing out of the the timeline and storyline. Rossi, what do you think? Do you think Chronicle is going to keep going right up until World of Warcraft history until we're caught up to present day? I don't know, but I think it's very hard to do. You know, this is the Legion now without talking about Burning Crusade. Because Burning Crusade sets up so much. If you want to know what's going on in the game right now, you need to know what we've done. Because what we've done has been a huge part of it. Like, the whole thing, Deathwing died in WoW. How do you do a Chronicle and you don't talk about Deathwing's death? Right. Deathwing! I mean, holy bleep! You know, the the Age of Mortals ended. These are things that I feel like you'd need a Chronicle to cover them all. I think the The whole history of the Emerald Nightmare kind of has to come in with that too, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, there's a ton of stuff that's been mentioned already that we need to cover. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they'd have to. Like it, the whole thing with the Black Empire really culminates in wow. Like we're seeing a lot more of it now than we ever have. Those guys are coming back. So yeah, I do, I do think the trouble is is like how do you do it without like you're just gonna have to make up proxy characters and just say you know adventurers did X or you know what I mean. A group so of adventurers and so and so. Yeah, that seems to be the general way that they do it. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.